Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, America. Welcome to the program. This is a Just Cause Coast to Coast where we bring you education, awareness, and information about judicial injustice. I'm Sam Thurman along with Cliff Stewart and Ethel Lopez. How's everyone doing this evening? Doing good. Doing good. Awesome. Thank you. All right. We'd like to welcome all of our uh, uh, listeners to the program this evening. And if you'd like to call into the program, our number this evening is 347-838-8976. 347-838-8976. And let me go on and do our disclaimer. Cliff Ethel and I are not attorneys, and a Just Cause Coast to Coast is not a program that provides legal advice. Uh, the opinions expressed during the program uh, don't necessarily reflect that of a Just Cause or a Just Cause Coast to Coast. Also, if you have legal needs, we ask that you contact your personal legal advisor. But as always, we'd like to thank you for tuning in and choosing to spend a little time with us this evening. All right, so, uh, Ethel, yes. uh, this evening's program, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, prosecutors and how they want to win at any cost. Oh, yeah. So we got a, little, a few things that we're going to talk about on that. We're going to revisit uh, the POGO study mm-hmm. uh, that talks about hundreds of Justice Department attorneys violated professional rules, laws, and ethical standards. And uh, Pogo did a really good job of uh, pulling that together. There are some other articles that talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. On the program this evening, and one of the things we're going to talk about uh, in one of our segments coming up, are a couple of press releases that we put out. And the daughter of one of the IRP6, Kia Banks, she wrote an open letter to the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame protesting the induction of federal judge Christine Arguello. So Kia is going to be joining us on the program to talk about her letter and what uh, motivated her to do that and just talk about, you know, uh, what, uh, what plans she has for her life and how this case, the IRP-6 case, has impacted her life. Uh, as far as the IRP-6 story is concerned, Ethel, you know, we have a call to action that we put out there every week. Yes, we And do. that is due to over 200 pages of transcript that's missing. Now, to, to lay a little bit of foundation for our listeners, right. during the trial of the IRP-6, uh, Judge Arguello had a sidebar. Mm-hmm. During the sidebar, she violated the Fifth Amendment uh, right of the guys, compelling them to take the stand. And she basically said that either one of you take the stand or I will close your case. Mm-hmm. So uh, they basically had no choice but to take the stand. Exactly. When the guys went back, and motioned the court, motioned Judge Arguello for that transcript. She did not provide it to him. Exactly. And then later they motioned for it again. Right. And uh, there's dialogue uh, in, the, in the official transcript where Judge Arguello uh, is having this dialogue with court reporter Darlene Martinez, mm-hmm. and she's saying that I see for no good reason, basically, uh, that, it, that uh, those pages of the transcript will, will – uh, that you would need them yeah, for. Yeah. And I'm not going to expedite the request. I'm not going to provide it to you. Exactly. She asked court reporter Darlene Martinez, how many pages are we talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the court reporter says over 200 pages. Wow. So, you know, when we talk about this, 
people are one. You know, you, you you have to know that people are wondering. You know, where did they come up with that number? You know, they got to be kidding. Exactly. No, it's right there in the transcript that right the judge there. said that she was not going to give two hundred pages of the transcript. That's Those right. two hundred pages are critical to the appeal of the guys. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of the things that we're doing to compel the court? To release those uh, those 200 pages of transcripts. Absolutely, and and to this day, you know, we're still fighting, trying to get those 200 pages, and that's why we're asking our listeners out there and and reach out to your friends, your family, you know, uh, relatives. Ask them to uh, pick up the phone and call Attorney General Eric Holder's office. His number is 202-514-2003 and 2005, and we're asking him to investigate what has taken place with over 200 pages of trial transcript missing in the IRP6 case. How is that even possible, and, and you have six men sitting in prison? That's right. And you know what is really uh, just crazy about that? Everybody sees this as outlandish <clears throat> except judge Arguello. exactly we have mark uh garagos who he's um taking this on the civil case mm-hmm. you know with the with the civil suit against court reporter darlene martinez he said his 31 plus years of practice he has never seen anything like this where you have over 200 pages of a transcript missing and the judge is not concerned about it. exactly the judge is not pushing to have it get out especially in this case where you know if the judge was, if she did not do anything wrong, right, the transcript right. would prove that. Exactly. Then we have Sydney Powell, who's uh, a uh, an appeals attorney, mm-hmm. who she was on on Tuesday night. Exactly. And she said that is bizarre. And, and she's worked over what right. five hundred cases. Five hundred appeals. Absolutely. Cases. And she said the fact that two hundred pages of a transcript is missing. She said that's bizarre. And furthermore, in her district, in the that's fifth, it. the fifth district. She said that the the first off the court reporter's pay would be would be withheld right. until she released the transcript, mm-hmm. and second off, if she still didn't, she would find herself locked up herself until it happened. Right, and all this that she was talking about lines mm-hmm. up with the court reporters act. Exactly. says it sure this does. is what a court reporter has to do. This is this is basically what their job That's is about. Right. And everybody we talk to and finds don't it forget bizarre. that don't forget that attorney general right. from the Ohio. Attorney, uh, attorney general uh Petro. Joe Petro. Yeah. He said the same things like what what do you mean missing transcript? Mm-hmm. How is that even possible? So everybody finds that there's a problem with the transcript exactly. being missing except for Judge Arguello. Exactly. Even even the judge in the in the civil case asked the assistant U.S. attorney, do you think that this is justice? Exactly. That you have uh, six defendants who are fighting for their lives and part of their trial transcript is missing? You call that justice? That is not what we stand for. That's and and right. we have to commend that judge that he would make that statement. But Judge Christine Arguello, she doesn't find a problem with it. She's like, I don't, I don't see why you guys need the transcript. What for? Exactly. What, what good would it do? Exactly. It, it's only showing where you were telling the truth and I'm lying. And you, <laughs> you, you look at you look at it. Oh, that's like, all clear. Yeah, it's like, I mean that that is how that is how nonchalant she is about it's it. Like, the truth. Like, I don't see why you need. It. And you know, uh, it go it goes to the fact of you know we. We asked the jury that was in the case of the mm-hmm. IRP-6. We know that Judge Arguello didn't give you all the information, right. didn't present all the evidence that you asked for. The, the jury requested, is there more evidence? Mm-hmm. And she tells them no when there's all kind of evidence on the table. She she would not let Andrew Alberelli, the uh, expert witness, testify that would have refuted everything 
that the uh, staffing firm um, representatives were saying that they were mm-hmm. basically lying on the stand. They're getting impeached. He would have further shown that what they were saying wasn't mm-hmm. right. Judge Arguelle would not let him testify. Absolutely. And so, but we asked the jurors in the case, you see that there's, that there's issues on the table. Exactly. Judge Arguelle didn't give you all the information. She gave you jury instructions mm-hmm. that were arbitrary that would not allow you to come to a proper conclusion in this case. Any questions that you have that you feel like, hey, there's got to be some answers out there, we have all of the evidence that backs up everything that we're saying. We're not one of those groups of people that just goes out and spews opinion. We have black and white court documents that that, uh, backs up what we're saying. And you know what, Cliff, with with that, that that stuff that she did to the jurors amount to mm -hmm. jury tampering. Yes, exactly. That is jury tampering, especially when you tell the jury in open court, you have the right to talk to whoever you want to. You know, thank you for your service. Yeah. You're now free to talk to whoever. Uh, come into my uh, – when you go back in the room, stand there for a minute. Mm-hmm. Let me talk to you. And then go tell them don't talk to the defense. Don't talk to the media. Mm-hmm. If anybody contacts you, call the assistant U.S. attorney, Kirsch. That's right. And then Kirsch has the FBI agent call one of the jurors. Exactly. That is nothing less than I mean, you're you're threatening people when you have the FBI call them. this has got to be scaring them to death. Exactly. Like I was a juror. The judge tells me all this stuff and now a FBI agent called me, and, am I going to prison? Exactly. And those juries should be out there filing charges against her and what she did. Exactly. You know, right. that, but that's they, a jury but, tampering. But they are afraid. They yes, are very, they are. very they afraid. Are. They, they are. are afraid. So we ask the we ask the jurors, you know, if there's if there's any questions that you have, feel free to call us. We'll ask, answer any questions that we have answers to. If we don't have the answers, we will try our best yeah. to dig them up for you. You can reach us at 855-529-4252 or email us at a at contact at a-justcalls.com and we will respond to you very promptly. And, and don't forget to reach out to the Fully Informed Jury Association. And that's for not just for the, the jurors who are on the IRP6 case, but also for anybody out there that so, at some point you may be called in to be a juror and you want to be informed of your rights and what it is that, that you can and cannot do as a juror. And that's the uh, Fully Informed Jury Association. Also, uh, we have the petition out there at change.org. Again, change.org. Do a search on IRP6. Sign the petition pertaining to the 200, over 200 pages of missing transcript, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with the phone calls to the uh, uh, Attorney General's office. And then, uh, if you'd like more information, Cliff was saying, you know, we're, we are not uh, uh, withholding anything, and, and we are very open as far as information that we disclose. You can get all the information that you need pertaining to the IRP6 case at freetheirp6.org, freetheirp6.org. If you like more information about a just cause, you can uh, go to www.a-justcause.com, a-justcause.com. Also, we are trying to build our donor base, and um, uh, we have a donate button on the website. Click the donate button, and we'll give you more information as to uh, uh, how, how that pertains or how that will help our organization. Mm-hmm. At this point, we are still waiting on feedback uh, on our 501c3 uh, which uh, that is being uh, uh, worked on right now. Okay, also for programming information, AJCRadio.com, AJCRadio.com, and then at Live365.com you can get 24 by 7 AJC programming and IRP programming. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, 
And uh, again, thank you for joining us. Our number this evening three four seven eight three eight eight nine seven six. And if you've been listening to the program for a while, you'll know that that is our breaking news theme music. And so this week we uh, have a couple of press releases that we put out. We talked just briefly about the first one uh, on Tuesday's program, and that's uh, basically uh, talking about uh, the Associated Press put out an article, and Donna Bryson was the writer on that, and it, it, it was supposed to be a story about the human side of this case. Right. And when you read her article, it ends up being really slanted toward the government it does not have any quotes in there uh, from the family. Uh, it, it has a very minor quote from Gary and David. Uh, she actually went to the prison and visited Gary Walker and David Banks, uh, two of the IRP6, and she didn't give any information as to you know going in, into any detail. And she spent, what, over a month yeah. working on this thing? Absolutely. She interviewed all of the wives and the children, Friends of the IRP6, uh, members of a just cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, she attended a church service. Mm-hmm. She went to the home of Gary Walker and sat there with, uh, with Mrs. Walker and the other wives uh, in a second interview and, and then didn't, didn't, uh, didn't give yeah, the, any of the human side of it. And, and you, the, the tragedy, and we talk about that in our press release, and if you'd like to see this press release, you can obviously go to justcause.com and you can see it, but then you can go to prweb.com and pull it up as well. But the tragedy is that this is a painful situation that the families are going through. The gentlemen have been incarcerated for over 20 months, and I haven't said their names yet, but the IRP6 are Gary Walker, David Banks, Dave Zappolo, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Demetrius Harper. They've been incarcerated now for over 20 months, and when you sit down for an interview, and you think that someone is going to at least share your story so that maybe someone will, will hear it and yeah. say, hey, this is a terrible injustice that's going on. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we've been fighting to get the main, mainstream media to take a look at this thing forever and a day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to that end, uh, we, we believe that this is going to springboard from the standpoint that you know, other media are, are going to pick it up. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, we believe that other media are going to look at it and say, man, that was a poor coverage of that story. Exactly. Absolutely, because in any story, especially an investigative report, you're looking for both sides of the story. And that's, mm-hmm. all, that's, right. that's all any reporter is ever supposed to do. We're not asking for anybody to be biased. We're not asking for anybody to take any side. Look at the evidence. Look at what's on the table and write a story based on that and then let the readers come to their own conclusion you're not supposed to pick a side in the fight but you are supposed to report what's going on and 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 looking at the press release that uh, just cause did uh this week you know just a quick excerpt from it it says david Banks states that gary meaning gary walker and i were asked plenty of questions by bryson each receiving separate one and a half hour interviews and I verbally referenced court documents and records that supported my answers, but none were referenced in this reporting, meaning the uh, you know the article that she wrote. Yes. 
We expected solid investigative reporting based on hard evidence and tough questions, but didn't get that. And what the, the bigger tragedy of this is that you have men who are locked up in prison. They don't have a voice uh, per se at this moment. We are being their voice here on the outside to get their story Absolutely. told. And then you have someone come in, mm-hmm. spend an hour and a half, let them pour their hearts out, and tell what their side of the story is and show the evidence like this is why exactly. we know that we're innocent. Yes. The fact that the judge is, hold, is withholding over 200 pages of, of court transcript, mm-hmm. this is the reason she's doing it. And you don't even, you don't even address that one issue of anything if else. Anything else. Anything else. Exactly. If, you thought, if you thought that there was a crime committed, exactly. that they should have gone to prison, still, yes. due process says if 200-plus pages of court transcript are That's missing, right. that just like Sidney Powell said Tuesday night, there's no way these men should be in prison, okay. and uh, and at the very least, a new, new trial, trial. That's exactly should be right. should be uh, should be offered. And, so, and you know, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Evan. Yeah, no, I, I was just gonna say, you know, I think um, one of the things really that that hurt me with this is the families. You know, you you've got these men who are sitting in prison already. They they there's no way they can be there for their families. They can't help them. They can't, uh, you know, what, whatever pain that their families are going through, they're going through it as well. And whatever they're going through, the families are going through it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you've got this woman who comes in here talking about a human interest um, side of this story. That was absolutely nothing human that I read in her story. I mean, I, I don't understand how you sit there and you actually shed tears with these families. You listen to their stories. You shed tears with them. You, 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 you cut their hearts open and let them bleed all over again. I mean, how, how can any, you know, how can, you, how can somebody do something like that? I mean, that is cruel. That is just cruel. You're, you're adding more to these men that are already in prison because all you've done is reported on what the other people said, yes. what the other people said. There is so much stuff and so many things that's happened in this case as far as, you know, the IRP6. She has put absolutely nothing there. She's even included people in this story that don't even know these guys. Right. And that's yeah. what I thought. That's, that's what I don't get. That's what I thought was so... You know, there's no other word. And quoted them. Yes. Quoted. I mean, it's like this is insane. You interviewed about 50 people. You know. For a total of probably at least 20, 25 hours, and you go get someone who knows, knows nothing. nothing about the case, knows none of these men, and then they make some comment, well, you know, maybe this was his mindset. You Have you ever met Gary Walker? Exactly. Do you even know anything about the story, but yet you try to say what his mindset in, in business? And, and I, I want to know who Miss Angela, what's her name? Benton. Angela Benton is yeah. anyway. She's nobody. I mean, That's exactly. Now, how, how can she sit there and make a statement about somebody that you don't even know? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's about balanced reporting, and we helped Miss Bryson out. And so in that press release, we helped to provide that balance yes. in the story. And, well, yes, we and sure so, did. And uh, so, you know, if you like more information about that particular story, because we don't want to necessarily push her story. But, right, right. But you definitely can go out to Just Cause and pull up the, the, real, uh, story. the, the real story, and then you can go to freetheirp6.org and get the rest of the story uh, and, 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 and get the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? So our number this evening, if you'd like to call in and you have a comment about anything that we're talking about regarding the rogue prosecutors and prosecutors uh, wanting to get a win at any cost, our number is 347-838-8976. 
347-838-8976. After this break, we're going to come back and talk about the other press release that we put out. So don't go anywhere. This is a Just Cause Coast to Coast where we bring you education, awareness, and information about judicial injustice. We'll be right back. If you don't stop your friend from drinking and driving, you're as good as dead. Drinking and driving can kill a friendship. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Talk, news, politics, and inspiration.
I'm Sam Thurman with Cliff Stewart and Ethel Lopez of a Just Cause Coast to Coast. Join us here each week as we bring you compelling stories about the U.S. judicial system. We explore cases of wrongful convictions and our efforts to right the wrongs like the IRP6 case. And you don't want to miss our featured segment called Exoneree Moment, where exonerees share their stories. That's the Just Cause Coast to Coast. Sam Thurman, Cliff Stewart, and Ethel Lopez. Education, awareness, and information about judicial injustice. Check AJCRadio.com for program schedule. Just Cause Coast to Coast, where we bring you education, awareness, and information about judicial injustice. I'm Sam Thurman, along with Cliff Stewart and Ethel Lopez and the rest of the AJC Radio crew. Our phone number this evening, if you'd like to call in with a comment or a question, is 347-838-8976, 347-838-8976. Again, uh, we ask that you go out to change.org, sign the petition pertaining to the over 200 pages of transcript that are missing in the IRP6 case. also want to make you aware that on starting on Sunday, April 20th, at 8.30 a.m. Mountain Time, that's 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, a Just Cause Coast to Coast will be aired on Progressive Radio Network. So we're going to be joining the Progressive Radio Network, that's prn.fm. Go check them out. they got some very good programming over there, and we will be joining that family of programming as well on April 20th. Okay, let's go to this uh, next press release that we were talking about. This one, and we'll dive more into this story when we uh, talk to Kia uh, Kia Banks, but we put out a press release uh, related to Kia writing a letter to the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame protesting federal judge Christine Arguello being inducted into the hall. And, you know, that's, in, that's incredible. That's powerful there, man, to, you know, for a young lady who is a college student mm-hmm. to write a letter to a hall of fame at, and, and say, hey, I don't think this judge should be one of your inductees and, and shouldn't be honored. Absolutely. And so, you know, uh, I think that that happened in March mm. and uh, a just cause even. We held a protest during that, uh, the evening of that ceremony. Yes. And we had over 100 folks out there, you know, protesting Judge Arguello's induction into, that, into the Colorado Hall of Fame. That was a really good move for her to do that, I, I, I think. And, and so many people out there need to hear her letter. That is, that is totally awesome. Yeah. And so you can go out to a just cause uh, adjustcause.com, a-justcause.com, and uh, click on the link to that press release and get more information about that as well. And so, like I said, you know, we're going to talk uh, more about that uh, with Kia here in a few minutes. So let's jump to the news. We've got a few news articles that we're going to talk about, and uh, then we'll move on. Again, keeping in mind that our subject this evening is uh, talking about pro, uh, prosecutors who are want to get a win at any cost. And we got a lot that we can talk about uh, that's in the news on that and even just, you know, uh, stories related to the IRP6 Absolutely. case. So let's talk about some things that's in the news. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Ethel? Well, I, the article that I'm looking at here is called The Simple Fix. Should New York uh, compel judges to report problem prosecutors? And this is written by um, the editor-in-chief, Stephen Engelberg at ProPublica. And he's talking about this one um, senior prosecutor, Michael Vecchion. Um, he, uh, a federal judge determined that this man had held uh, critical evidence during a murder trial and throughout the trial's conviction. 
No disciplinary action has been taken against him whatsoever. You got this this other guy. His his name is um, Shi Wu Su. Was jailed for 12 years on attempted murder charges before a federal appeals court overturned his conviction, finding a Queens prosecutor had knowingly elicited false testimony and sending him to prison. This man sued and he was uh, paid $3.5 million. The prosecutor received a private reprimand. Why do they do that? A private reprimand. No matter how many times we look at these uh, prosecutorial misconduct cases, these judges getting out of line, yep. it always comes down to some something that is a less cover than up. Yeah, yeah. It, that's what it, a that's slap what on the wrist. That yeah. is what it boils down to. Because, I mean, they don't even really get a slap on the wrist. A private reprimand, what does that mean? Hey, man, don't get caught doing that Yeah, again. basically. And then the next one, no action has been taken against the next guy that did something. Yeah, right. yeah, and that, that, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, this guy, Jabbar Collins, served 15 years in prison for a murder he didn't commit before his conviction was overthrown in 2010. The same prosecutor withheld critical evidence during the trial. That sucks. This man has filed a $150 million lawsuit against the city. Doesn't say whether or not he'll get it, but that, this stuff is ridiculous. And then ProPublica had a couple of um, uh, reporters who did uh, um, um, a lot, some investigating on, and found like 30 instances in which state and federal courts identified misconduct serious enough to throw out a conviction and hardly anybody involved in the prosecution was held accountable. That is ridiculous. It's, it's always the same thing. There's nothing about the prosecutor. He went to jail. You know, when you when no. you have people go to prison for 35 years, get out, and then the prosecutor found out they did something wrong. Yes. Nine days is the longest that we've seen that one of these prosecutors has been. That, that, Nine I, I'm days. I'm telling you, you know, uh, that is so ridiculous. They're talking about none of these cases re- resulted in discipli- disciplinary action against anyone in the DA's office. And the senior prosecutors that they interviewed contend that almost all of the instances of alleged misconduct amounted to honest mistakes or differences of opinion of the how, law. How can they use the <laughs> yeah. word honest mistake? I'm, yeah. I, that is so... And there's, there's nothing honest but, about... Well, what's that it? other term they use? Harmless error. Yeah, error Harmless yeah. error. Mm-hmm. I withheld 200 pages of your transcript. Oh, but it didn't, it didn't, it didn't hurt anybody. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, just some guy went to prison right, for 15 because, years. Because you know. I look at... You, you don't really need that. What do you need it for? Exactly. It, well, that sounds familiar, you know. That sounds like Judge Arguello yeah, exactly. asking you know, this, this stuff is sick. And, and you know, the, uh, the Pogo report lays it out in the uh, POGO, which is Project on Government Oversight. Mm-hmm. I mean, they lay it out and, and say how the Justice Department needs to step up and do something. It used to be where they had, they had more visibility. Then, for some reason, it's like, oh, no, the Office of, of Professional Responsibility, they take it directly to Holder, yeah. and then he reviews it. It's like, right. Right. They're not oh, doing... Stuff. Anything, and I was looking at another uh, another article mm-hmm. about you know the the Pogo report that mm-hmm. they they dealt with 650 cases, right? And just to read at the end of that was Senator uh, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska uh, who supports the bill on you know making the authority go to the Inspector General's office mm-hmm. who would give more oversight. Right now it's at the Office of Professional Responsibility. Like I said, they go directly to Holder so he can review it. Right. It doesn't look like he's reviewing anything. Oh. 
He's busy and, making speeches. Yeah, and then but uh, Senator Murkowski, she said, when Americans pledge to abide by liberty and justice for all, that does not mean that those pursuing justice can creatively apply different standards or break the rules to get convictions. It means that in America, everyone is held equally accountable. Mm-hmm. And you you have to you know commend her as an acting senator to make that statement. Yes. The question is, will anybody else in the Senate, will anybody else in Congress, will anybody at the Justice Department take that statement and do anything with it? We have seen so many times that they uh, they just you know they leave the truth, they leave the law laying in the street and yeah. say you know whatever happens to the citizens of our country, so be it. Yeah, that bill that, you know, this is the bill that Sidney Powell was talking about on our on our right, program right. the other night. You know, she made reference to this. And, and people need to make sure that, you know, we stand behind that 100% because that needs to happen. And it needs to take place immediately. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and it's like every time you look up, we have a, another article. And this one was, uh, was, was uh, posted on April 7th on a, a site called prosecutorialaccountability.com. Mm-hmm. And it's titled, County Prosecutor Under Fidel, Under Fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm fighting a cold, so my words are getting tangled. <laughs> County Prosecutor Under Fire from Defense Community for Repeatedly Failing to Disclose Evidence. I have a serious problem with that because you say repeatedly. Yes. Failing to disclose evidence, why is this prosecutor, Ward County Prosecutor Joanne Krantz, they say constantly, repeatedly withholding exculpatory evidence in criminal cases. And how long does she continue to get away with it? They say she just, she won't turn over evidence, a number of cases, cases causing dismissals in some. This was followed by a run of articles about specific cases in late February and March where other attorneys argued that Krantz wasn't provided basic, in some instances court-ordered, information to the, to the defense. So this woman is going around saying, okay, I'm taking the fact that I have, mm-hmm. that I have just, you know, blanket immunity. I'm taking that to the extreme. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say, hey. Yeah, I'm withholding evidence. What are you guys going to do to me? You can't go after the county because um, they have this basically, quote, unquote, lone wolf thing that if you're out there, if you're a prosecutor out there doing it by yourself, you have blanket immunity and the county can't be held accountable because it's like, okay, you just have one bad apple. Mm -hmm. It's not shown that it's a trend in your county. So. She just constantly gets away with it. So she can, it can be a trend with her, but as long as it's not a trend in the county, it's all good. Yeah, exactly. She that can do it as many horrible. times as she wants, and nothing will happen to her. She can, you know, she'll get these little slight reprimands yeah. like, like, hey, Joanne, you stop withholding evidence. And she says, okay, sure, in the next case, I'll, I'll provide the evidence. But she doesn't. I mean, how many times... Do they do they have to go through this exactly. with this woman? Exactly, and then there there she's out to lunch with the judge or whoever in the next what half hour. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and and this is what's crazy. Uh, one one of the attorneys, uh, the defense attorney on uh, one of these cases, his name is Mark Phillips. Mm-hmm. He told one of the newspapers there in Warwick County that facts and other information regarding the case had been reported in local media that were not contained improbable cause affidavit provided to him as a defense. So the media has information mm-hmm. that he, as the defense attorney, does not even have. Exactly. So she talks to the media and be like, oh, yes, I got this information exactly. over here. 
I'm not giving it to you as the defense attorney. And he's like, well, how do I put on a case? And this stuff right here, she needs to be put in prison. Absolutely. And you know, Cliff, I, I started thinking about the, this article that you brought up uh, la, uh, on the show the other night mm-hmm. where it says, you know, so you got a, a life sentence or death row. Uh, right. Sorry, pal. Exactly. And, and in there, you know, you were talking about how uh, the blanket immunity or – uh, and and all the conditions associated with that, and so when you were talking about that, my mind went back yeah, to be, that. Because when you when you look at it, and when I had read this article, um, the first time, that is when it really brought to light that that shows that they you know they have absolute immunity. Mm-hmm. They and and this article says they have a mighty, nearly impenetrable shield created by the Supreme Court in the say in the seventies where it says you can't do anything against a prosecutor right. because so many people were coming after them mm-hmm. and saying, well, they did something wrong, and, and even for, for little things. But now they're like, well, hey, we have immunity. Mm-hmm. They don't want to go after uh, changing the laws. The exactly. Department of Justice doesn't want to go after changing it. And every time someone in Congress or the Senate comes against it, they say, no, 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 we need to leave that alone. But then to find out that you can have one mm-hmm. um, prosecutor continue to go down this path of, of misconduct and basically breaking the law and, uh, you know, miscarrying judge, justice. That's right. But nothing happens to that prosecutor. Nothing happens to that district. Nothing. nothing happens to that county because they say, well, you haven't shown a pattern. It's only one of them. And it, 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 it becomes sickening. And that's why we need the public to know and understand that yeah. this, these are the type of things that are going on. This is what our American judicial system lays out, and then they call exactly. it the best in the world when you have this group of people, mm-hmm. these federal prosecutors who basically the law says they can do whatever they want well, and get away they, with it. They feel like they're gods. You yeah. know, hey, that, and that's what uh, Sidney Powell said in her book. You know, she stated that. Prosecutors uh, think that they're gods. You know, not all of them, but for the most part. Yeah, and, and when... And when we as the public give them the power and then don't go back and say, hey, you're not God exactly. and we're going to we're going to hold you accountable for these these ridiculous decisions that you make and for breaking the law, just like I'm accountable, you're accountable for breaking the law. They should be, too. That's right. See, and thank God for a just cause and, and a just cause radio. And, and you know, uh, when we come. Uh, out of this next break, we're actually going to play a segment from our program where we had uh, Sidney Powell on oh, awesome. and where she was talking about her book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I kept referring to uh, some comments that were on the jacket on her book. And right. she was saying, you know, that when uh, when the guardians of justice become the perpetrators of injustice. Yeah. And, and it's talking about, you know, uh, basically talking about those folks who we have entrusted, yeah. uh, you know, in the in them, basically. Mm-hmm to uphold the law, yeah. to uphold the Constitution, mm-hmm. but they have been the ones that are violating it. And then in doing so, yeah. they're also, you know, finding ways to protect themselves. Absolutely. And, and, that, and, and it's weird because, you know, it fits right in what we're talking about tonight mm-hmm. as far as, you know, prosecutors winning at any cost. Any cost. You know, it, it's become, and I forget who we had on a few weeks ago, but uh, he, he was basically saying that uh, several years ago it was a situation where, you know, you get a guy – he comes out of law school or, or a young lady comes out of law school, mm-hmm. they may go to a DA's office mm-hmm. for a little while. They may become a prosecutor for a little while, and mm-hmm. then they would go and become a defense attorney. Mm-hmm. Attorney, mm-hmm. But these days, it's become career yeah. moves, right. and it's all about moving up, up that ladder and trying to become that next 
U.S. attorney in some district That's or right. an assistant U.S. attorney or the head of some office within that yeah. uh, office. Or, yeah. And then and, and when they're running for office, you know, at the local level for the DA's office, man, they will do anything. And again, we got to, you know, put our disclaimer out there that we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater because we know that there are some good uh, folks who are who really care about justice. I mean, down in Texas, you got, uh, I believe it's in Dallas, the uh, the district attorney down there. When he went into office, it was he realized, hey, there was a lot of stuff that's happened wrong in this in yeah. this city before. I'm going to try and rectify some of the folks who shouldn't be in prison. Exactly. We were talking the other night in Brooklyn, New York. The DA there, he's doing the same thing. He's reviewing cases yeah. where there was a detective. A rogue detective. detective. And, man, it's like every case he had, guys were being put away for life. Exactly. Coming to find out now, those guys didn't do anything. He was fabricating all kind of stuff. Yeah, so we are going to come back here in a few minutes and going to play a clip from uh, the other night where Sidney Powell was on. And then we're going to visit with Kia Banks uh, and talk about her letter to the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. And uh, I want to take a quick moment to say thank you to Wendy uh, Benendetti. Uh, from Oregon, she uh, made a donation to a just cause through the website. Awesome! And so we'd like to applaud her for doing that. Shout out! And, uh, and so that just shows that a just cause coast to coast is reaching from coast to coast. Absolutely. I mean, we get callers from Florida all the way up to Oregon. Yeah. This is a just cause coast to coast where we bring you education, awareness, and information about ju- judicial injustice. Yeah. We'll be right back after this. Hey, we've had some break-ins in my neighborhood, and there's a real suspicious guy. He looks black. Did you see what he was wearing? A dark hoodie, like a gray hoodie. I think the hoodie is as much responsible for Trayvon Martin's death as George Zimmerman was. Do I look suspicious? Do I look suspicious? This guy looks like he's up to no good or he's on drugs or something. It's raining and he's just walking around looking about. Are you following him? Yeah. Okay, we don't need you to do that. You have to recognize that this whole stylizing yourself as a gangster. You're going to be a gangster wannabe. Well, people are going to pursue as a menace. I am here to continue to continue the research to fight him. To protect, sir. To prosper and live I am here to give you your children. I'm here to protect my children and my grandchildren. To fight, to fight for justice. To write the next great American, great American movie. To give a voice to the voice. I'm here to I'm foster, here to foster a generation of black, young black entrepreneurs. I am. I am here to live. To live. I am changing my mind. I am Trayvon Martin. I am Trayvon Martin. 
This is Cliff Stewart with A Just Cause Coast to Coast, where we bring education, awareness, and information about judicial injustice. AJC Coast to Coast is a place to listen to topics about the fight against wrongful convictions, judicial injustice, and corruption. Join Sam Thurman, Ethel Lopez, and me starting April 20th every Sunday from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 Eastern Time on Progressive Radio Network. That's prn.fm. Today, innocent Americans are standing trial for crimes they didn't commit. Today, innocent Americans are writing for help from a prison cell. Today, hundreds of Americans have been exonerated of crimes they didn't commit. Researchers believe that at least 40,000 innocent Americans still sit behind bars. For them, the answers do not come easy. A Just Cause seeks true balance and accountability in the judicial process, ensuring that innocent men and women are not convicted and sentenced to prison for trivial, obscure acts that are otherwise not seen as crimes. For more information on how A Just Cause may help you or how you can get involved to stop over-criminalization of innocent Americans, visit www.a-justcause.com or call 855-529-4252. That's Just Cause Coast to Coast, where we bring you education, awareness, and information about judicial injustice. I'm Sam Thurman with Cliff Stewart and Ethel Lopez. Our number this evening, 347-838-8976, 347-838-8976. Ethel, I'll tell you what, when you put out the call earlier and said, hey, listen in, but have have your friends call in yeah. as well, man, the... the, the uh, Logs are just full with with callers. That's there. awesome. And so, you know, if you have a comment or a question, uh, we welcome you to push the one. I believe it is to yes, indicate that it. you indicate that you want to make a comment or or you have a question. So we encourage you to do that. Uh, just before the break, we were talking about uh, prosecutors and 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 you know, who've gone rogue mm-hmm. and and all the problems associated with that. The other evening, we had Sidney Powell on, and Sidney is an appellate attorney out of Dallas, Texas. Now, the good thing about Sidney is that she spent time as a federal prosecutor. Absolutely. And so she knows the other side of the, of the fence, but now she uh, is on the defense side and, and uh, doing appellate cases. She's done how many cases? Over 500. Man. That's a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah. You, you know she knows what she's talking about. I, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she sounded like she did. Okay. Yeah. Just, just a little bit. Well, anyway, she's written a book, and it's called License to Lie. And, uh, you know, we were very impressed uh, with Sydney on the other evening. And, you know, just uh, one quick comment here that we uh, have is that, you know, in the profile, it says, you know, well, Sydney uh, leads the readers through the disturbing events, missteps, cover-ups, malfeasance, and corruption of justice that have caused her to question the system she has been committed to for over 30 
years. It's a long time. And Sydney calls names in her book. Yes, she oh, does. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to play a quick excerpt from that, and then we're going to come back and jump on something else. I was just going to say, in, in your book, Sydney, you were talking about um, these three, I believe there were appellate judges that you knew. Who, oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, what did, what, what did you feel when you thought that they were going to do the right thing and they ended up coming back doing something totally different than what you, you, you know was right? Uh, it broke my heart. I mean, I really don't know any other way to put it. It it really broke my heart. And sometimes even even good people, you know, make mistakes or do the wrong things for what they think are the right reasons. But I know that the ultimate decision we talk about in the book was wrong, as were many of the other decisions of the Fifth Circuit in the Enron-related cases. Um, you know, it just—it's very hard to overturn a criminal conviction, and a lot of judges have lost sight of individual rights, or they get tired, or jaded, or overworked. I mean, their caseload is is significant, but I think I think a lot of it is is. You know, there's been a tendency in recent years to appoint judges to the bench very early in their careers. And actually, actually, one of the best Fifth Circuit judges I know now is one of the youngest, so I don't want to say never appoint a young judge, but I think there comes a time when people have been on the bench so long that they, they forget, they lose touch with reality, they lose touch with what that a case is somebody's life. I mean, I've always told my clients that it's not my case, it's their case and their life. Right, right. And I, I, I wanted the book to show the human impact that litigation has on individuals, particularly criminal litigation. I mean, civil litigation takes an enormous toll also. Anybody who's even been through a divorce knows that. But criminal litigation, where your life is completely turned upside down, absolutely devastated, and you are owned by the government from the time you're indicted on, is just can be life shattering. Yeah, and and sitting, you know, you say that looking at this and seeing that these egregious things that happen with these judges, that it, it breaks your heart. And you know, a lot of times on on our show here, we we say that uh, one of the one of the reasons or one of the ways to alleviate uh, these type of egregious acts and. and you know, if they're done on purpose, if if a prosecutor or a judge says, I have this information in my hand, I don't deliver it, or I have this information, um, and and I, I treat it like it doesn't matter, and I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect someone's life, it's going to end up putting someone in prison. So we always say that the prosecutors should be held accountable on a, you know, on a personal level, that if they do something that knowingly has someone put in, in prison, um, that they should they should pay for that in the same way with a judge and and if if we can get your comment on that statement and also what do you think um, is is a is would be a major change to to alleviate these type of practices in our uh, in our judicial system? 
Well, there are a lot of things that could be done to right now even to alleviate some of these practices in the judicial system. I firmly agree with you that individual prosecutors, particularly anyone who has intentionally withheld exculpatory evidence, which I have no doubt that some of the prosecutors I talk about in the book did, they should be disbarred and they should be investigated criminally for subornation of perjury, um, obstruction of justice. I mean, there are any number of criminal offenses that apply against a state or should apply against a state or federal prosecutor who deliberately hides evidence. I mean, when somebody outside the system does it, it is called obstruction of justice or subordination of perjury. And we've just got to stop giving these people literally a license to stand there and lie. Exactly. As for things as for things that can be done immediately, every judge, whether he be a state court judge or a federal judge, could immediately, as soon as a criminal case is docketed in his courtroom, enter a Brady order requiring compliance with Brady and set a deadline by which the government is supposed to give the defendant all Brady evidence. They can also require that the def- defendant receive the actual documents and never allow a summary unless there's a problem with Um, you know, international or national security, national defense, highly classified information, that kind of thing, but in most criminal cases, or the protection of an informant sometimes in some of the violent crime cases. But in in most cases, a summary is woefully insufficient and should not be allowed to substitute for the actual documents of Brady. Brady is a shorthand reference for evidence that is favorable and material to the defendant. We also need to take, actually, the materiality inquiry out of the Brady standard. Prosecutors should be required to produce evidence if it's favorable to the defendant. Only the defense can really decide (laughs) what is material to the defense, and a judge can't, and the prosecutor certainly can't. And, you know, when Sidney was talking about the attitudes of judges, Mm -hmm. I jotted down here jaded. Jaded, yeah. And I looked that up, and it says jaded is tired, bored, or lacking enthusiasm, typically after having had too much of something. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm your, not even going to say too your much. Your job is to go and sit before people and listen to cases and be a judge. Yes. And when you become jaded, how can you get, you know, Black enthusiasm when it comes to somebody's life. Somebody's life, exactly. Putting somebody in in prison, taking away their their freedom, and you say, oh. or giving them freedom. Right. And you say, I'm not really interested in that. I just I just I just feel like playing God today. Is this? And 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 how many lives are you are you looking at? You're not just looking at that person that's on trial. Right. Exactly. You're looking at families and 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 you look at they, their whole circle, their whole exactly, community exactly. is being affected. That's right. And you're jaded. Yeah. And and you know like you know when Sydney said that it broke her heart. Right. To, I mean you can hear that you in her voice. You can hear it. You can. And hear so it. you know we wanted to share that with our listeners who didn't who may have missed that the other evening. And uh, that's uh, an excerpt from Sydney Powell. She was on our program the other night talking about her book, License to Lie. And the book will be coming out uh, in May. Yeah. And uh, you can go to Sydney's uh, blog site at seekingjustice.org, uh, seekingjustice.org and, uh, and find out more information about that. She has a lot of good information out there. Yes. On oh, that. yeah. Okay. Joining us now in the studio is Kia Banks. Kia is the daughter 
of David Banks, who is one of the IRP6. We talked a little bit uh, a few minutes ago about a press release that we put out uh, protesting uh, where we, uh, just cause, we protested yeah. Judge Christine Arguello being inducted into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we put out a press release uh, today that was talking about a letter, an open letter that Kia wrote to the uh, chairperson of the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. Welcome to the program, Kia. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Awesome, awesome. So, Kia, uh, your dad is one of the IRP6. Yes, he is. And, uh, you know, when this situation came up, uh, talking about Judge Arguello and being inducted into the Colorado Hall of Fame, how did that make you feel? At first, I was shocked. Um, to see that she had been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, but then I got angry. And so um, I thought some somebody needed to try to do something about that. I don't know if this letter will make a difference or not, but at least I can say I wrote it. I don't know if they will hear me. I hope so. But I just need to know that I tried to do something about her being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And, Kia, you sat through quite a bit of the IRP6 trial. Yes. And so some of the things that and, – and let's go on and establish the fact that you're currently in college. I am. And you're in pre-law? Um, I am earning my criminal justice degree right now. Okay, with intentions of going on to law school? That's correct. So share with us, you know, from your opinion – you know, being a, a young college student and sitting through the trial and seeing the, some of the things that occurred in a trial that directly affected your dad, mm-hmm. what were some of the things that kind of jumped out at you? Well, one of the things I found interesting was when the government put their witnesses on the stand, uh, my father and um, the rest of the IRP6 would continually impeach their witnesses to show that they are on the stand lying. And no, uh, the government was not at any time able to impeach any of uh, the defense witnesses. But still, no, the jury somehow came back with a guilty verdict, even though our guys were able to continually show that the government people were lying. When you think of a judge, someone that's presiding over mm-hmm. a, a case, mm-hmm. what do you think that judge's role should be? The judge is there to sit and to listen. They're not supposed to have their opinions. They're supposed to look at the facts as they are presented to them and make a decision based on that. Did you see that in this case? No. Judge Arguello had a lot of opinions in that courtroom that should have stayed at home. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's an excellent way to put it. I tell you. <laughs> like, I mean, share, share something with, with us as far as, you know, one of the things that, that jumped out at you as far as, uh, and, and and we you know we spent a lot of time reviewing transcripts and and looking at things that transpired during this uh, during the trial, but you know let's take an example of um, expert witness, and there's supposed to have been you know expert witnesses that should have been allowed to testify, mm-hmm. but they were not. And and so and when you saw that happen, you know what 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 went through your mind? Well, I didn't understand it. Either she got them off the stand so fast and made my head spin, or she wouldn't let them get on the stand in the first place. And these witnesses, they're important. Like, um, I believe Miss Sidney was saying that the defense can decide what is relevant to their defense and not the judge should not do that, or the prosecutors. I mean, you're trying to keep someone from going to prison, especially for a crime that they did not commit. 
So you shouldn't be getting cut off um, when you're trying to show right. this is someone's life we're talking about. That's right. And we, <clears throat> see, we often said that when you, when you look at a trial and you look at the defendants trying to, uh, you know, it's bad enough that they have to prove themselves innocent. When, when it's supposed to be the other way around, they're supposed mm-hmm. to be innocent until the prosecutor proves them guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. But then you have them presenting their evidence, presenting their witnesses, and a judge says, no, you cannot present that evidence. No, you cannot present that, that witness. And it just, it, it's, it just seems like such a breach of common sense to tell a person that is fighting for their life that you don't have the right to put that witness on the stand. You don't have the right to present that innocent I mean, uh, that evidence mm-hmm. that would prove you innocent, that that to me uh, is so unfathomable because we say that our justice system is about you having to be proven innocent. And I remember we had one guest on the show, and uh, and he was saying that a judge should automatically, when a prosecutor comes into the room, should automatically look at the defendant that you are innocent and this this prosecutor is going to have to prove to me, is going to have to prove to the jury Mm -hmm. that you are guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And that should be the jury instruction, Um, you know, to the jury, that should be the instruction instead of all this other stuff. The instruction should be no matter what you hear from the prosecutor, no matter what your preconception is, this person is innocent they have not committed a crime, mm-hmm. and until the prosecutor can prove to you that they have, that is the way you have to look at it. That is what the American justice system is laid out to that's be, right. but that's not what you see. Of course, we uh, have a caller um, that we're going to take. We have about a minute before break, so uh, caller, please keep that in mind. Uh, you're on the air. Go ahead. Gwen. Sorry about that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hi, this is Gwendolyn Solomon. I'm the attorney for the uh, case for the guys on appeal, and I was just reading um, and listening to your show, and I was very upset when I was thinking about what you're saying because I used to be a former deputy district attorney in El Paso County, and that was one of the reasons why I resigned my position because I felt that the prosecutors were doing everything possible to, um, to, to you know, just to get a conviction. But I didn't understand that as coming out of law school in our oath of admission, we state that we're going to support the Constitution of the United States. We also state that uh, we will employ any means consistent with truth and honor. Also, that we will treat all persons um, whom we encounter through our practice of law with fairness, courtesy, respect, and honesty. Um, and so, to me, even in this case uh, with the IRP six, I, I, it seems that the prosecutors fa- definitely failed to do that. There are also special rules of a prosecutor, Rule 3.8, that the prosecutor in a criminal case is supposed to refrain from prosecuting a charge that the prosecutor knows is not supported by probable cause. And I know in this case that the FBI was already aware prior to um, entering the indictment that these gentlemen were conducting a legitimate business and that they were in debt. And so I don't understand how a prosecutor can go forward with a charge or an indictment as they have in this case. And I strongly feel that, as I was listening to um, Mrs. Sidney yesterday, that definitely prosecutors need to have 
some type of uh, repercussions on withholding exculpatory evidence. I totally agree with her as far as having them being disbarred for perjury and obstruction of justice. And they should also be held to the fire for, for prosecutorial misconduct. And so I do think that they should be held accountable. I think that they should be treated as uh, because they're committing crimes. Um, they should be treated as criminals. Uh, once that information is found out, they should be held to the fire for, for what they've done, the wrongs that they have done. Absolutely. So and, uh, and, Gwen, thank you for your comment. And, you know, you look at this case and – Everything that you say uh, that happened this, in this case mm-hmm. is is things that should have overthrown this case, should have had this case thrown out, should, you know, be calls for a new trial. And yet, like I said earlier, the only person that does not see it that way is Judge Arguello. Exactly. Everybody else sees that there's all these egregious acts that happened during the trial. There's all this stuff that went wrong. There's all this stuff that went wrong after trial. You know, when 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 the defense puts in several motions to say, can we have our complete transcript? Mm-hmm. And the judges come back days later, no, you're not getting it. No, you're not getting it. Exactly. Motion after motion after motion. Exactly. No, you cannot have your complete transcript. She's the only one who sees that as being okay. And everybody else that we talk to is like, how does this happen? And and what we need that the listening audience and the public to understand, a lot of times we get asked because um, Sam Ethel and I go on a lot of uh, a lot of other shows and and do interviews and people talk to us. Well, how does a judge do this and get away with it? Why isn't that against the law? Why isn't she being held accountable for that? That's what we're trying to let you guys know is that. Who holds the judge accountable? Who comes after her? Who do you go to when a judge is the one breaking the law? Where is the governing body over the judges? And why won't they act? And how do you get them to act? That is why we have the campaign against uh, or toward Eric Holder to say, do an investigation. Find out what's going on. This is your Justice Department. You're the sheriff of the the country. Do something. So you guys go out there, go out to change.org and do a a search on IRP6 and sign that petition so we can have Eric Holder look into this mess and deal with it. And make that phone call to his office. Joining us in the studio is Kia Banks, and we're talking about her uh, letter and uh, then also some of the uh, the experiences from uh, the trial of the IRP6. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're going to have more... Uh, dialogue with Kia here in a moment. This is a Just Cause Coast to Coast where we bring you education, awareness, and information about judicial injustice. If you'd like to call into the program and have a question or a comment, our, our phone number is 347-838-8976. 347-838-8976. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Here are 50 white guys. Here are 50 black guys. Here's how many white guys can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. The chances amount to 1 out of 17. Now, here's how many black guys can expect the same thing. The chances are 1 out of 3. Why? Lots of reasons. It's complicated, but one thing is clear. There's a racial bias at every level of the criminal justice system. When blacks and whites commit the same kind of crimes, blacks are more likely to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. Once convicted, they're more likely to serve longer sentences. 
Look at the numbers in America's so-called war on drugs. About 14% of America's drug users are black, as are about a quarter of drug sellers. Yet blacks are 34% of people arrested for drug crimes. And those convicted of drug crimes? 46% are black. By the time we factor in sentencing, there are actually more black drug offenders than white women in state prison and federal prison. In the end, the incarceration rate for drug crimes is 10 times higher for blacks than it is for whites. These are the facts. Racial disparities in America's war on drugs are one big reason that one of three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, how do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do bald chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? Life's full of hard questions. Questions. Ask one more. You might just save a life. Just Cause, Coast to Coast, where we bring you education, awareness, and information about judicial injustice. Thank you for spending time with us this evening. This is Sam Thurman with Ethel Lopez and Cliff Stewart. Joining us in the studio this evening is Kia Banks, and uh, we're talking about the IRP6. Kia Banks is the daughter of David Banks, one of the IRP6. The other IRP6 are Gary Walker, Dave Zapolo, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Demetrius Harper, and we'd uh, like to... Uh, put that uh, that call out to you again. Go out to change.org and do a search on IRP6 and sign the petition that's out there to uh, compel the uh, Department of Justice to make Judge Christine Arguello uh, release the over 200 pages of transcript that's missing. If you'd like to join us in the conversation this evening, our phone number is 347-838-8976, 8976. Again, Kia, welcome to the program. Mm -hmm. So you wrote a letter to the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame protesting the induction of Judge Christine Arguello, who was just inducted into the hall in March of uh, 2014, this year. And there's an excerpt here 
uh, in the letter where you're talking about Judge Arguello being a minority, mm-hmm. a female, a wife, a mother. And you know, in your letter, you're identifying to the chairperson that you are a minority, a female, and you hope one day to be a wife and a mother, and that you hope to aspire to uh, the level of distinction where maybe you can become a member of a Hall of Fame as well. And, and, uh, and if you missed the segment earlier, uh, listeners, Kia is actually a law student or a college student who is going to pursue her law degree later on. And she sat through many days of the trial of her dad and the other uh, members of the IRP6. But in your letter, you say that um, you feel as though uh, that uh, Judge Arguello has, was, rose to her position under false pretenses and that uh, uh, the foundation was not built on truth and honor. That's correct. What do you mean by that? I think that when we award people or acknowledge them or hold them in high esteem, we should know where the, where they came from, how they got to where they are. And we shouldn't just say, okay, you're here, let's commend you on what you've done. If she had done this, like she treated people right, she she honored her cases. Like I guarantee you, if we go back and really sift through all of her cases, we'll find more corruption. Corruption doesn't just sit in one area. She's got to have it way deeper. Right. So that's what I meant by that. Her, she hasn't done everything honestly. She hasn't done it by the book. Mm-hmm. And we will, I mean, we know that, but I mean, we'll be able to get everybody else to see that. Now, Kia, in your wildest dreams and being an aspiring law student, would you have imagined that the judicial system uh, is what you have experienced? No, I, ha- I wouldn't have. I went to my father's trial because I thought this will be interesting to see, to see it, the judicial system actually work, right. or so I thought. Because I used to look at other cases and things like that, so I thought it would be interesting to go and watch it in person. But the things I've learned from watching it in person have only shown me what I don't want to do in my own career. Right. And when you say what you don't want to do, mm-hmm. in, in other words, you're saying you, you want to represent people in, in the right way. I want to represent people well, and I don't want to put innocent people in prison for crimes they didn't commit, and I know it. And that should be, you know, everybody in the judicial system should have that same outlook, that same dream, <clears throat> that same desire that, okay, if there's someone who's committed a crime who needs to be put in, uh, in jail in prison, then absolutely that should happen. But you shouldn't go overboard with it, and you definitely do not need to put people in prison who have not committed a crime. And it just, it really gets to me that our justice system has no problem doing that, that our justice system, even after a person is found to have been innocent, to never have committed the crime, you know, we we call them exonerees. We put them back on the street most of the time without any help. You know, if somebody spends 20 years in prison that didn't do anything, and you put them back on the street, you don't even give them help. You don't... Don't give them a, a dime. Yeah, you don't give them anything. Mm-hmm. You And rarely they even get an apology. Mm-hmm. But we call our system the best. But if everybody looked at it the way you do, Kia, that says, I want to do... Basically, it boils down to, I want to do what's right. Exactly. If, I'm, if I'm part of the judicial mm-hmm. system, I want to do what's right. I want to say that the laws that we... Um, that we've amended the mm-hmm. laws that our forefathers have 
have uh, set up in this nation, mm-hmm. that they're worth something. And if we continue to trample them, if we continue to have people in the justice system that ignores them and says, because I have this blanket immunity, I'm going to do what I want to and, uh, you know, let the let the, the law fall by the wayside, then we no more have a justice system. We have Absolutely. an injustice system, right. and it only works for a particular group of people. And that is, that's just not right. Mm-hmm. But immunity is part of the problem. Everybody's got either this diplomatic immunity or some sort of immunity that you, once you've reached a certain position, you have to do something mm-hmm. almost like murdering someone for them to take you out of that position, and mm-hmm. that shouldn't be. Everyone from the White House down to the janitor needs to be accountable for their actions. Mm-hmm. And when we start giving people immunity, that's how you start be, having people be able excuse me have people be able to hide behind these blankets and cover themselves up and you don't know what's under there. Mm -hmm. And they've got all this dirt under there with them and they're hiding that. And that's how we get innocent people in prison for crimes they didn't commit. And somebody's got to be accountable for that. The judges, if they were honest, Mm -hmm. they should say, if I've done a wrong, let me fix it. But they should be careful not to do that. These are people's lives we're talking about. Absolutely. Are you sure you're not already an attorney with 30 years experience? <laughs> I mean, oh, God, I think you're, you're going to make a, a, an excellent attorney or a governor or, or a congresswoman or something. Absolutely. Real quick, if, if you would, you, you were talking about, you know, some of the um, some of the uh, instances in your life, you know, the first time things that that your father missed with you. Talk to us a little bit about that. Okay, I know your 21st birthday was one of them. You're trying to make me cry on the radio. Oh, I'm going to cry too, so it's um, okay. <laughs> well, the most, okay, there are two that really hit me hard. Mm-hmm. One of them, Father's Day 2012, no, 2013, excuse me, because he wasn't in jail for 2012. He went just after that. Mm-hmm. But Father's Day last year hit me really hard. Um that hit me worse than Christmas and Thanksgiving and the 4th of July, all the rest of them. And I didn't know that it would until that day. And so them being in jail, they have to call you. You can't just like pick right. up a phone and call them. Right. And so I was waiting for him to call me. And I thought I had missed his call. And I did actually, but he, my phone didn't even ring. Mm. And so he was like, I've been calling you, but I didn't get through. So that day he called somebody else and he was like, have you seen my daughter? And so they were like, yeah, she's right here. So he was like, yeah, get her the phone. And I was like, Dad. And so um, I got to talk to him for a few minutes. But um, <clears throat> when you're on the phone, you don't have that long. Right. So you have to say what you want to say and say it quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to wish him a happy Father's Day. I mean, I know it, he was in prison, but he's still my father, and I still um, I still appreciate him on that day just like I do every other day. Yeah. But it was really important to me that I tried to be able to talk to him then. Thank you. But the other day that really messes with me, too, is uh, I had applied to college. He was out when I applied to college. And he helped me um, fill out my uh, application and everything like that, but I hadn't heard back yet. And on July 27th of 2012 is when he had to go in for his sentencing, and I was not allowed to go that day. 
they let me go to like all the rest of the trial except that day. I had been stopped from going that day because I went on July 24th, which is when my uncle Gary Walker and Mr. Kendrick Barnes went, and I um, I broke down in the courtroom. So my father told me that he wouldn't be allowing me to go back to the rest, see any other portions of their trial. So I said goodbye to my father on that Friday morning when he went. But I got a call from my school around 12. That they were calling to tell me that I'd been accepted in. And so I called my mom, who had gone up with my dad that morning, and I was like, can you, she, he was actually being sh- shackled and taken out of the courtroom when I was talking to my mother. And I said, can you please tell him I got in? Can you tell him I got in? So those were the two most important things that I think my dad has missed. Yeah. And see, that's the st- stuff that sucks. Right there. We're going to take a break. Uh, This is the Just Cause Coast to Coast Education Awareness, information about judicial injustice. If you'd like to join in on this conversation, we're going to come back with Kia here in a moment. Our number is 347-838-8976, 347-838-8976. Kia, thank you for being here. We're going to come back and talk to you just a little bit. And um, don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back. This is an exoneree moment featuring Khalif Browder. This one involves an alleged robbery, not a murder, and a story that seems even more surreal. The story of Khalif Browder, a Bronx teenager who was let out of Rikers Island when he was jailed for three years without ever being convicted of anything. This nightmare started in May of 2010. Browder was walking home from a party along Arthur Avenue in the Bronx. He was 16 years old in the 10th grade. Well, this guy comes out of nowhere and says I robbed him, the now 20-year-old Browder says. And the next thing I knew, they're putting cuffs on me. I don't know this dude. And I do over three years for something I didn't do. Bail was set at $10,000 his family couldn't afford to pay. And he was given a legal aid attorney who did nothing to help. There was no evidence against Browder, says his new lawyer, Paul Prestia, who represents the young man in a civil suit he's filed. Beyond the one witness who accused Browder, a stranger whom Browder had never met, there was no physical evidence, no supposed stolen property or money recovered, no other witnesses. Nothing. The Sixth Amendment to the United States Constitution guarantees people accused of a crime the right to a speedy trial. But Bronx County prosecutors seem to let that little provision slip their minds. Browder saw no hope. He tried to take his own life more than once, he said. At one point, after sitting in jail for 33 months, he went before a judge and was told that he should accept the plea deal and he would be given credit for time served. Browder refused to plead guilty to a crime he did not commit, even though he was warned that he was facing a 15-year sentence, so they led him back to Rikers. Then, in June of 2013, the case was dismissed and all charges dropped. Browder was free, but not happy. I didn't get to go to prom or graduation, he said. Nothing. Those are the main years. They are the main years. And I'm never going to get those years back. Never. Never. He was released just as suddenly and mysteriously as he was arrested. They just dismissed the case and they think it's all right? No apology? No nothing, he said? They just say, case dismissed and don't worry about nothing. Well, what do you mean, don't worry about nothing? 
You just took three years of my life. This has been an exoneree moment from AJC AJC Radio. I'm Sam Thurman of the Just Cause Coast to Coast. Starting Sunday morning, April 20th, from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time, join me along with Cliff Stewart and Ethel Lopez right here on Progressive Radio Network, that's prn.fm, for a Just Cause Coast to Coast, where we bring you education, awareness, and information about judicial injustice. Just Cause Coast to Coast, where we bring you education, awareness, and information about judicial injustice. I'm Sam Thurman with Cliff Stewart and Ethel Lopez. Joining us in the studio this evening is the daughter of David Banks, one of the IRP6. The other IRP6 are Gary Walker, Dave Zapolo, Kendrick Barnes, uh, Clinton Stewart, and Demetrius Harper. Our phone number this evening is 347-838-8976-347-838-8976. Kia, thank you for being here with us again and, uh, and, and sharing some of your intimate thoughts. And uh, we're going to come back to you right after this phone call. Uh, so let's take this caller, Cliff. A caller, Jeanette, on the line, you want to you make a comment or you have a question? I, I do. Thank you for um, having me on the show tonight. Uh, I wanted to definitely say that my heart goes out to Kia and even to the rest of the family members and the IRP chicks themselves. I admire their strength and their endurance and, you know, just how they've joined the fight because the system definitely failed these men. And I think that all of this um, goes back to the lack of accountability uh, because, I mean, all of them are suffering. The men themselves are suffering, their family, their loved ones are suffering. And even when um, the guest last week, uh, you guys played that excerpt, it just, it, it really it, it just it just brings to the light that something has to be done about the lack of accountability. The word that just keeps coming back to me over and over is like like an amputation. These men have been cut off from their lives, from their family, from society for doing nothing wrong. I, I followed the story very closely, and, and it just makes me mad. I'm troubled. I'm disgusted that not more is being done. Now, I was thinking even when, like, a, a surgeon would, would amputate somebody's leg, and it was the wrong leg, and a, and a mistake was made or a decision was made in error, there are still consequences. There are still – he still has to be accountable. There are lawsuits. You have to do something to, to restore what you took from somebody. But then when you think about the, the part that I think gets to me is the fact that when it's done deliberately, this was deliberate injustice being carried out. And I just, I, I, I can't say enough that something, there has to be something that we can join together, that we can do to make sure that this judge is prosecuted. Now, there's, there's like few and far between where you finally see something happen to a crooked judge. So we know it can happen, but I, I, my question is what can we as the listeners do to just make 
sure that this happened to this judge. I mean, she has to be accountable. I think when we start making more of those people in position accountable for their actions, they have to have some type of repercussion for what they've done, then it's going to discourage this, this kind of behavior. But until then, they're going to keep on doing it. Like you said about this one prosecutor who just keeps repeatedly making these decisions, There's, nothing happens to them. Nothing happens. I think that's what just bothers me more than anything. What can we do as listeners to, to, to just join in? Who can we write? What can we do? What can we do to just make sure some type of justice is shown for this? And uh, thanks for your, your comment. And to answer your question, uh, Jeanette, you know, that's why we have the petition out there mm-hmm. that says Attorney General Eric Holder, this is your position to make something happen, to do an inquiry, to do an investigation. And we as the people have to continue to stand up and make our voices heard. Exactly. You know, those of us who don't hold some great position, like Senator Ted Stevens, when Senator Ted Stevens was under fire, Attorney General Eric Holder came to his rescue swiftly. Before he even got his sentencing handed down, his case was overturned. So we as the general public need to say, hey, our voices count too. Just because we're not a senator, just because we're not a congressman, mm-hmm. just because we're not you know, in the top 1% of the rich, mm-hmm. we still want to be heard. We right, voted right. you in there. We pay our taxes. Exactly. You work for us. Exactly. We pay your salary. Do something yeah. for the people. We don't want you coming out, mm-hmm. talking any more jargon, mm-hmm. talking crap about what needs to happen, and saying, oh, the system, it's, a, it, it's, it's broken, but it's a great system. That yeah. is a contradiction of terms, an oxymoron, if you will. Yeah. We don't want to hear the president coming out saying, well, as black people, you're going to have to fight harder. We shouldn't be in that position That's anymore. Right. It should That's be, right. everything should be fair for everyone, yeah. but since it isn't, We as a people have to continue to fight. We have to make our voices heard. And the one thing that you can do is go out there to change.org, sign the position that we have, uh, do a search on IRP6. We will take that position, that petition, Petition. Mm -hmm. and deliver that to Attorney General Eric Holder and says, this is the amount of people who say that you need to do something about this situation. You need to open an inquiry. So that we appreciate and, and, your call. Go ahead, Ethel. No, and I was just going to, you know, just add to what you have said, because that's what this program is all about, is reaching out to the people out there and letting them know, you know, this is what's happening. This is what's taking place. You know, you, you have to do something. You can't get people to come together on anything, and that's the problem with, with us. We, you know, as a race of people, we're reaching out. We need to do something. We going to have to pull together. There is always uh, uh, strength in numbers. And when you, you stand, you're standing alone, you can't get anything done. But two or three people, you know, a few thousand people, you can always get something moving. And then, you, you know, you have to tell, you know, for people to understand, when you get these civil rights leaders who are looking to, 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 for you to donate to this and do that and do whatever, and they want to come into your, you, to your city and have a parade and all this kind of stuff, if you would stop running out there 
uh, putting money into whatever little crap they're asking you for. That's Slick Rick, Al Sharpton, you know, all, all these different ones. Uh, I'm, I'm coming in town, and I want to do this, and I want to raise money for that. Let them stand there. You know, what are they doing for you? They need to show you what it is that they're doing for you. They're supposed to have taken over this thing after Dr. King was, 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 was killed and gone on. They have taken over absolutely nothing. You know, and you've got John Lewis and all those different ones out there. They want you to be there for them. They want you to listen to them but are they listening to you that is the question why are you backing the ones who are not doing anything for you when you still got all these people sitting in prison and i'm talking about the prisons are busting at the seams with our people we have to move we have to do something you can't just sit back even if you sign a petition even if you make a phone call you still need to do something let your voices be heard that's what has to happen. And like you said, Ethel, that, that's what a just cause is all about. And there are other organizations out there uh, that are doing a, a great work. But, uh, you know, this is the essence of what a just cause is about, and that is about bringing about reform. And I have to, you know, also state, you know, to add to what Cliff stated as well as what you stated, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Sidney Powell brought up a couple of issues uh, the other night. Uh, Senator Lisa Murkowski out of Alaska is the co-sponsor of uh, the Fairness and Disclosure Act. You know, so and I bring that up because uh, to Je- Jeanette's uh, question uh, about what can we do? And like you guys are saying, you've got to mobilize mm-hmm. and all the folks across the nation who are listening to a just cause coast to coast mobilize in your community, you know, get involved, uh, reach out to your local uh, legislators, reach out to the national legislators, the senators and congressmen, you know, get involved in things to help push stuff like the Fairness and Disclosure Act. You also got Senators uh, Lee and Tester who are sponsoring the, uh, the Attorney General's Act, the thing where, you know, going to yank uh, the investigative power from the Office of Professional Responsibility yeah. and DOJ and give it to the IG yeah. and, make the, and let the uh, Inspector General's offices investigate these kind of things. Uh, Sidney Powell was also talking about there are over 200 former prosecutors and judges and so forth who have signed on to say that uh, there needs to be reform. And she said that particular uh, uh, initiative is losing steam, but it won't lose steam if if we continue to to, continue to push it and everything. And and, and one other thing, you know, in in, in looking at these different, and I was was watching John Lewis this morning on, on, you know, CNN talking about, uh, uh, um, you know, the civil rights movement and all this stuff, you know, all those guys that were there with with Dr. King, that's what eats me up. You know, you have a scripture that says, smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. Every single one of them jokers scattered when Dr. King was, was, was murdered. Where wow. are they? Wow. Wow. Cliff, let's go to the phones. Uh, we got another caller. All right. We have uh, Wayne on. Wayne, you want to make a uh, comment or have a question? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I, I would like to uh, make a comment. When I hear about um, the injustice, uh, one, one of the things I, I looked at um, was a quote from Justice Byron White, and it was for, uh, from New York versus Patterson, and it said, due process does not require that every conceivable step be taken to eliminate the likelihood of convicting an innocent person. And when, when I hear what Just Cause is doing, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about uh, how you guys are fighting. We appreciate awesome. that. Thank you for your call. Thank you, Wayne. So, uh, Kia, 
let's let's come back to you. And, and you know, um, we were talking earlier about an Associated Press uh, article that came out uh, last week, and how the uh, the writer of that article, uh, the Associated Press reporter uh, Donna Bryson, had initially stated that she wanted to share the the human side mm-hmm. of this story. And if you know, unless you are Iraq sitting out there, uh, I think. You know, Kia is, is sharing the human side of this story yes. right now. I mean, uh, for a moment there, there wasn't a dry eye in the in the studio here. But uh, at any rate, you know, Ms. Bryson said that she wanted to share the the human side of the story. You were part of the org- uh, part of the group when she did the interview. Yes, I was. With all due respect, she perpetrated a fraud. <laughs> and with and, and you, you don't go. have to have any due respect. You know exactly. <laughs> there is no respect None. due to her. Yeah, and she it, perpetrated a fraud, and that's that's what it was. Yeah, and and so you know when when you pour out your heart, as as like tonight, you're sharing. You know, uh, and and as Ethel was talking to you about some of the first that were missed uh, between you and your dad, and we don't. We don't want to put you through anything undue here, but at the same time, it makes a difference because of the fact that as people hear this and as the callers have said, you know, that it's just not right. And when I look at uh, the the uh, kids of, of the guys mm-hmm. and when I look at their wives, yeah. you know, it just does not make sense for someone to say, hey, I'm going to help you get your story out there and exactly. don't do it. Exactly. You know, what would be something you want Jar Jar Guayo to know? As far as when she sits there and talks about uh, uh, or is, is callous and don't acknowledge and doesn't acknowledge the fact that uh, this thing is going to have a ripple effect. It's not just affecting the six gentlemen, but it affects their families. Yes. What would you have uh, Judge Arguello to know about that? Well, I think that I think that she she I remember when she was uh, mating out the sentence for for my uncle. And I was sitting there and she was talking about how it keeps her up at night and she doesn't take it lightly and all this and that and the other. And I was thinking about Tiffany Stewart, how she was being raised by a single parent and she was underage at the time. She was under the legal age of being on your own. Mm -hmm. And the judge did not care about that. And then my cousin Kyle Walker, um, he has seizures. And I remember listening to my uncle tell the judge about how his son has seizures and she didn't even care it didn't make a bit of difference to her because he was like can i because sometimes when you go to sentencing they don't take when they went to sentencing they took the judge had them taken into custody that day Mm -hmm. and so sometimes you can go to sentencing and then you report on another day Mm -hmm. Uh, my uncle asked if he could um come in like would he would he be allowed to go home to his family that day she said no she was just taking him into custody that day. He said I've, he, he said he, he stated that he had strong roots in the in the state of Colorado. He'd been here for over twenty years. He wasn't going years. anywhere. Exactly. No, he had a wife and child. He'd been here for over twenty years, mm-hmm. and that still it didn't matter. She didn't care about the circumstances people were dealing with. And these men, they had already surrendered their passports. They weren't a flight risk. They had stayed here up until this time. I mean, and then uh, a, a AUSA Kirsch tried to say that. Um, because of the length of time that they'd be a flight risk and all these things. My father's sentencing was four days after my uncle's. If he wanted to run, he could have. He didn't. 
Right. When you're not guilty, you stand and you show that I have done nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. None of the men ran. Mm -hmm. Everybody, all the rest of the men except Uncle Gary and Mr. Kendrick were on Monday. Everybody else, all the rest of the guys had time to run. None of them ran. That should say something about them, but they did not run. Exactly. Exactly. And Kia, you've seen a lot of uh, information through a just cause, uh, and we focus in on the over 200 pages of the transcript that's missing. And you actually uh, speak to that point in your letter. Mm -hmm. I do. I was in trial on the day that we keep trying to get these transcripts for. It was for October 11th, 2011. That's the day that we're trying to get transcripts for. That's the day that the sidebar happened that nobody has a record of for some reason. And I was sitting there looking, I was sitting on the back row of the gallery with my aunt Yolanda Walker, Gary Walker's wife. And we were like, what in the world? And we're sitting back there in the gallery and there is no record of that. You're not telling me it didn't happen because I was there. I was in the courtroom. And so the fact that there are 200, the fact that there are any pages missing Mm -hmm. is a problem. Mm -hmm. I've called judges and I've asked their judicial assistants. I've talked to lawyers and I've asked them, what happens when transcripts go missing? And everybody tells me the same thing. Transcripts are the only way you don't get a transcript if it's sealed. I said, this case is not sealed. They said transcripts don't go missing. It's right. public record. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody tells exactly. Well, that doesn't happen. It's like, well, it has happened. And so what is the route that we take? Where do we go? Who do we tell? And it's like, no matter who we go to, no matter what path we get on, there's there keeps being this runaround of, well, you know, it's not our responsibility. And that's why we tell the public, hey, you got to get out mm-hmm. and and raise your voice, make a serious stir that, you know, we cannot allow things like this to just go undealt with. Exactly. You don't you don't destroy, get rid of, hide, refuse to release any part of a court transcript. The judicial system says due process is that you have to have that transcript because that's the only way you can wage an appeal. Mm -hmm. Without the appellate uh, um, judges knowing what happened in court, you cannot get a proper appeal. And so, but yeah, they tell the same thing. That just doesn't happen. It's like, well, but what do you do when it does? But you know, I I just wanted to say this, and this is a little bit um, kind of away from, from what you guys are talking about, but it's it's um, what gets me is the fact that they can tell you anything is not done, anything is not is is missing, anything. The Tenth Circuit uh, here in Denver, Colorado, they um they go to any length to hide, to 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 conceal, to to do whatever it is that they need to do to to keep a person in prison or to put them in prison or whatever the case may be. And 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 talking about this, you know, with the transcript and everything. When I talked to uh one of the appellate attorneys, uh judicial assistants, who had, you know, I when I mentioned to her about the 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 case with over 200 pages and she stops me right there and she says, uh, "Miss Lopez, when those cases were done, they were sent back to Denver, Colorado." And here is Mr. Mr. Kressler's name, and here is his number. You give him a call, and he's the one that can, you know, can can answer your questions about uh, uh, this, you know, the, the the status of this decision. You know, he's the one who can give you that information. And so, you know, and and then so you call him, and he's telling he, you know, first he tells me that it's been back since May of 2013. May of 2013, it's been back from the appellate judge, but you can't tell me what the decision is. So. My thing is, 
if the decision had been in their favor, we would have known what it, what it is by now. Since May of 2013, there's a problem with that. Yeah, that, that's totally uncalled for. I mean, and, and, and no, no matter, no, how, no way how you slice it. I'll, I'll get it out of here in a second. Yeah. It's like it doesn't matter how you slice that. It makes no sense. Exactly. Right? You it know? makes no and, sense. And he tells you that it has to go back to the, to the appellate judges. And when I call her back to ask, she, she said, no, it does not. So why, were, why are you, they lying and putting us you know, through all of this stuff? Well, while you're talking about calling the judicial assistants and things, I've been calling because I wanted to know what is going on with my father's case. Absolutely. And so I called the clerk's office a while back, and they tell, they're they not helpful. They're just, Here in Denver, they're just rude. Exactly. And so then I found the numbers for each of the appellate attorneys mm-hmm. that are over this guy's case. Right. And so first I reached out to them, and I told them my fa- it's my father. I gave them the case number. I had all of that information mm-hmm. for them. Um, Judge Hartz's people shut me down so fast, I didn't know what happened. Um, Judge uh, Holmes? Holmes, yes, Mm -hmm. thank you. Mm -hmm. Judge Holmes was judicial assistant. She was very nice, very cordial, and she listened. Mm -hmm. Um, She was very politically correct. She said that she would give him my number, but she did tell me that she couldn't answer my questions. However, she was not rude. Mm -hmm. Um, Judge Broby? Baldock. Baldock, sorry. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Um, When I talked to his judicial assistant, I tried her... uh, Baldock's people are very hard to get a hold of. So I called her and I asked her some questions. She gave me general answers, but they keep telling you that they cannot tell you what's going on with the case. So then I called back and I figure I'm a criminal justice student. Approach it from that angle. Mm-hmm. So I asked her what would happen if pages are missing from the transcript and this judge is over the case. How would he rule? I don't know. But they all know that that does not make sense. Exactly. They will all agree that it doesn't make sense, but they can't tell you how the judge will rule. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's amazing. <sighs> this stuff it just really gets to you. <clears throat> um, we got calls on the line. We're going to take a break, and we will get to you on the other side. This is uh, Just Calls Coast to Coast, where we bring education, awareness, and information about judicial injustice. We have Kia Banks in the studio with us tonight. Uh, David Banks with IRP6. That's his daughter. And uh, we'll get back with you guys on the other side. Stay tuned. Yeah. 
With a just cause, coast to coast, it's Cliff Stewart. I'm joining Sam Thurman and Ethel Lopez. Also in the studio tonight, we have Kia Banks, the daughter of David Banks of the IRP6. We have been talking about uh, prosecutorial misconduct, the foolishness of Judge Christine Arguello, mm. and uh, just the, the, the whole facade of what we call our justice system and how it breaks how it is broken, how it breaks down family, that breaks down communities. And seemingly um, the judge, in, in this case, Judge Christine Arguello, she doesn't really, it's not bothering her. And she's the only one who seems to think that her acts of breaking the law, of withholding 200 pages of court transcript, not allowing a expert witness to testify mm-hmm. and several other things, she's the only one who feels that that's okay. Mm-hmm. And um, we want to have everyone that is listening, if you go out to change.org, do a search on IRP6, and sign the petition that we have out there that's asking Attorney General Eric Holder to do an investigation to inquire on why it is that this judge is allowed to keep these 200 pages of transcript hidden, to keep them unavailable to the defendants when that is what they need to wage their appeal. Absolutely. Uh, we are on the uh, the downside of the show. Uh, I know that Kia wanted to bring up uh, uh, another point that was personal to her that she wanted to discuss. So uh, go ahead, Kia. What was it you wanted to say? 
I know you guys have been talking about the Associated Press article that um, Donna Bryson had written, and I wanted to talk about um, Miss Daisy, Miss, Mr. Kendrick Barnes's mother. She actually made everyone, Miss Daisy made everyone in the room cry that day when Donna was interviewing everybody because Miss Daisy started to talk about how her son would come in the house and he would always get some food. She said she would always know when it was him when she heard the door click mm -hmm. and how much she missed that. And so when Miss Daisy was talking, I mean, Miss Daisy was pouring it out completely. And she had everybody in the room crying. And then not to even, I mean, everybody was emotional, but that's the one that I remember the most. And to have people going that far into themselves and not even using it, I mean, she didn't quote anything from anyone. I know she had the wives sit down because I went and sat in on that. And she didn't use any of the things that they said. And just to go in and get all of these people to pull up all of this deep stuff that's mm -hmm. really serious mm -hmm. and not use any of it, that's mm -hmm. terrible. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Kia, um, the letter that you wrote to the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame <clears throat> um, protesting Judge Christine Arguello's induction into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. Uh, what is, what's your expected outcome? I mean, if, if you were to get what you want from that letter, what would it be? If I got what I wanted from this letter, I would like whoever it is, I'm not sure if there's a committee, I've not looked into that, how it would be that Judge Arguello would be removed from the bench. I would like that to happen, and I would like her to be removed from the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame or any other um, society or group that has made her a member. Mm -hmm. I would like all of them to rescind her acceptance. And mm -hmm. I think that at the end of the day, the fact that she she knows that what she did is illegal, she should go to prison for that. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Totally. Totally. So how much uh, longer do you have as far as school goes? And, and, and I mean, what's, what do you have in store for you there? Six years. Six years. Two wow. years to finish wow. my bachelor's and then another four to get a law degree. Okay. All right. And we know that you're going to get oh, there. Oh, yeah. What would be your final word to, to our listeners as far as this kind of case? And, and uh, you know, give a shout out to your dad. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, like I said in my letter that it's not, I wrote this letter because my father is in prison, but it's not just about my father. There are so many other people who are in prison for crimes they didn't commit, and that's not okay. In school, we're studying like the percentages and things like that, and they want to tell you that it's not that big of a number. But the fact that there are any people in prison for crimes they did not commit, that is not okay, and that's not acceptable. Exactly. And so we all should be concerned because it can, it can happen to any of us. That's right. I could very well end up one day needing someone like me for myself. I mean, I hope not. <laughs> Say that again. I might need someone like me for myself. <laughs> yes, I, because you don't find no, enough that's, that's, people that are you're passionate right. out you're there right. yeah. that Absolutely. think we need to do something about this. I mean, mm -hmm. if there are, I'm not saying everybody's innocent. I know better. I'm not mm -hmm. that naive. But everybody's not guilty either. That's exactly. true. And so we, let's treat everybody right whether they're guilty or not, mm -hmm. let's treat the guilty people right, sentence them correctly, treat mm -hmm. them right while mm -hmm. they're in there, mm -hmm. and the not guilty people, let's never let them sit foot in prison in the first place. Exactly. We're destroying people's lives, yeah. and they that's can't right. come back from that. That's, that's right. right. Yes. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, that's Kia Banks. She's the daughter of David Banks, uh, and she wrote a compelling letter to the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame uh, yes. and asking them to uh, revoke 
the induction of Judge Christine Arguello into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. I know your father is very proud of you. Yeah, you you. did an excellent job, kid. (laughs) Excellent job. Speak very well and uh, well-versed in the case. And so if you'd like to view Kia's letter, you can go out to freetheirp6.org, freetheirp6.org. There's a blog out there where the letter is posted. Also, you can uh, look up the press release that has uh, excerpts of the letter as well, and it also points to the blog where uh, the letter is posted. The press release is at at, uh, a-justcause.com a-justcause.com. Kia, thanks for being with us. Thank you. All right. Hey, let's start wrapping things up here. Uh, The IRP6 are Gary Walker, David Banks, Dave Zappolo, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Demetrius Harper. We ask you to keep them in prayer. You've heard a lot about the case this evening Mm -hmm. regarding the over 200 pages, a lot of the other uh, acts of injustice and corruption that has occurred in this case. You heard some firsthand accounts from Kia Banks as she sat in the, in the courtroom and uh, during, her, during her dad's trial. But with regard to the over 200 pages of the transcript, we talked about this several times as well. At change.org, please go out there, do a search on IRP6, sign the petition. We had a lot of people in the queue this yeah. evening. We apologize to those that we didn't get to as far as bringing you on the air to make a comment. But uh, we will be here every Tuesday and Thursday uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Ethel, what else can people do as far as helping out? Well, um, there's one thing in particular that I just wanted to add to when I was speaking earlier about, um, you know, the decision having been back in Denver, Colorado. And I just want to tell any, any Congress people or anybody out there, lawyers, judges, whomever, that know, I mean, if, if th- these people are holding on to the decision. And it's like I said, it's been back in their office since May of 2013 here in Denver in the Tenth Circuit. We would like for, to ask you. What can we do? You tell us. What can we do to get them to give us this decision? They're, they are holding on to it for whatever, uh, no good reason, like they're doing everything else. But if you will tell us, what can we do to get that decision? And also, we're asking our listeners out there, don't forget, call Attorney General Eric Holder's office at 202-514-2003 and 2005 and ask him to investigate what has happened with this over 200 pages of missing transcript. Get everybody you know involved. Send it to them. Send out an email blast. Do your Facebook. Tweet it. Whatever it is that you need to do to help out, this is how you can be a help. Please do. That's right. And to the jurors that were in the IRP6 case, we ask for you to get in touch with us. We know you have questions. We know that the way the trial ended seemed that something was wrong. When the judge tells you, don't talk to the defense, don't talk to the media, you know, after she tells you that you're free to talk to anyone, there's something wrong with that. And if she doesn't have a problem with holding 200 pages of missing transcript, you know in the court she, she didn't have a problem with holding evidence from you. She didn't have a problem giving you arbitrary uh, instructions. So reach out to us, and we'll give you answers to any questions you may have. You can reach us at 855-529-4252. That's 855-529-4252. Or reach us via email at a-justcalls.com. We want to say thank you to Kia Banks, our in-studio guest. Also, to everyone in the chat room, we appreciate all of your interaction. To the callers, again, we're sorry that we didn't get everyone, but for those who did get on the air, we appreciate your comments and all of your questions. To our production team, K&D Productions, Captain Kyle and Dustin Jackson, helping Ill Skills Girl. If it wasn't for them, you would not hear us on the air tonight. Also, to our production support crew, 
They give us the material that we need to bring you. We want to say thank you to them also, to the truth. We know you're out there, and we appreciate it. And we want to give a shout-out as well to the rest of the AJC team. We don't have time to name you all, but you know who you are. We thank you for all your work, all your hard efforts, and the IRP6 and their families thank you as well. For more, for more information about Just Cause, go to a-justcause.com, a-justcause.com. You can go to ajcradio.com for programming information and also live365.com. Starting Sunday, April 20th, we will be joining the Progressive Radio Network. That's prn.fm. And so uh, if you'd like to uh, hear some of the programming over there on PRN, join us starting Sunday, April 20th from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. on Sunday. This is the Just Cause Coast to Coast, where we bring you education, awareness, and information about judicial injustice. Good night, America. Good night. Good night, y'all. Talk, news, politics, and inspiration. Federal.